70,000 is the number of backlog cases in New York housing court. Fuck. So now between the, the evictions that are happening and now the backlog of, of this stuff in housing court and then obviously the foreclosures, mm-hmm. you, you got a tremendous strain on our system already before recessionary impacts happen. Now, I don't think there's going to be a tremendous wave of foreclosures. But I think that there's going to be some significant impacts in people's earning and their ability to pay. And I think that's going to put them in positions where they're going to need to sell. Yeah. I mean, you would hope that these, these institutions laid the groundwork properly and learned from the mistakes in, you know, 2008 with the Great Recession to not over leverage themselves. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. All right, everybody. We're back. Higher standard. I'm Chris. That's Saeed. Your favorite host. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) And this is our special guest, the one, the only, Treasury Secretary Jerome Powell. I do not think the U.S. is currently in a recession. Um, and the reason is there are just too many areas of the economy that are that are performing, uh, you know, too well. And, and of course, I would point to the labor market in, in particular. Uh, as I mentioned, it's true that growth is slowing. And for reasons that we understand, really, the growth was extraordinarily high last year, five and a half percent. We would have expected growth to slow. There's also more slowing going on now. But if you look at the labor market, you've got growth, I think, payroll jobs averaging 450,000 per month. That's a remarkably strong level for for this state of of affairs. The unemployment rate at near a 50-year low at 3.6%. All of the wage uh, measures that we track are running very strong. So this is a very strong labor market. And it's just not consistent with, you know, 2.7 million people hired in the first half of the year. Uh, it doesn't make sense that the economy would be in recession with, with this kind of thing happening. So uh, I don't think the, the U.S. economy is in recession right now. I do not. What the actual fuck man, just happened? Lying his ass off. Lying his ass off in front of, in front of the world. Right. Not giving a fuck about it, too. <laughs> not giving a fuck about it. There's really only one thing to say. What is it, Chris? God damn, I'm glad y'all set it off. Used to be hard, now you're just wet and soft. But you was down with the AK. And now I see you on a video with Michelet looking like straight bozos. Or a bozo. <laughs> or a bozo. <laughs> be technical. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, what do you man. make of it? What do you make of this pile of shit? What do I make of it? I, I make of it as a complete load of shit. First, the White House the week before 
the GDP number comes out, mm -hmm. puts pressure on the national, uh, I can't even, uh, Enber. Enber, yeah. <laughs> We're just going to call it Bureau Enber. of Economics. Yeah, Bureau of Economic Research. I'm, I'm so pissed off, I can't even think straight. So first, the White House comes out the week before, tries to change the definition of a recession. And then the Treasury Secretary Powell says this after announcing a 75 basis point increase. And let us pause. Mm -hmm. Good job. Yeah, yeah, good, good job. job. Oh, good yeah, job yeah. Congratulations, you. congratulations to you, sir. Sorry, yeah, good job. Yeah, 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 Make a good yeah. call. It's still we, 100%. 100% right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> so, this happens. And then he cites something that I still I still don't understand. Mm -hmm. We have talked about on the podcast 1,001 times that unemployment and the labor market are lagging indicators. Right. Meaning, they start moving afterward. Right. And yet, here we have... Clearly a smart man who is spinning what a recession is. The technical definition of a recession, we've said it a million and one times, again, is two negative GDP quarters successively or six months in succession. Mm -hmm. You said the last time, and I looked this up, and you were right because I don't trust anything you say. <laughs> yeah, as you shouldn't. The last 10 recessionary economies were, in fact, declared recessionary after two negative right. GDP quarters. Yeah, 10 out of 10 times. 10 out of 10 times, including the bullshit COVID recession. Right. Exactly. Man. Man. So, I did some digging because, like you, I want to sound smart occasionally. Okay. Ready? Yep. In December 2007, the national unemployment rate was 5%. Yep. And it had been at or below that rate for the previous 30 months, over two years. At the end of the recession in June 2009, the Great Recession, right? it was 9.5%, double, at basically. The, at the end. At the end. And in the months after the recession, the unemployment rate peaked at 10%. So it didn't even... The recession actually ended before unemployment peaked. That's how much of a lagging indicator it is, right? So right. we called the recession over in June of 2009, okay? Mm -hmm. It didn't peak until October 2009 because it is, in fact, a lagging indicator. The Great Recession lasted from December 2007 to June 2009. Mm -hmm. So the unemployment rate and the labor rates are unequivocally not a defense to a recession. And yet here we have the Fed secretary, whose job it is. Right. To, to monitor economic policy, and he's, he's got two functions, jobs yeah. and pol fiscal policy. Yeah. So clearly, bro, you can't cite the other one of your jobs. He's basically patting himself on the back. Exactly. So hey, man, I'm doing a good job. Jobs are low. The bad news for unemployment will likely come out in 2023 then. That's when you can expect for it to really start to hit. No, I got some, I got some good good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's going to start now, mm. right? Right? Because Currently, it's at two. They say what they say, two hundred fifty thousand. The, the jobless claims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, the job unemployment in this country is also a messed up indicator because they've restructured it to exclude anybody who's been looking for a job over a year. And there's a bunch of technical things that can bump somebody out pretty easily. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be the kind of like inflation versus core inflation, where the core inflation is what we actually feel, what we call inflation. You know, nine point one percent. Yeah, that's effectively what they've done to the jobs numbers. Yeah, so it's nowhere near. Actually, I, what it actually is, right, right, right. okay. But still, it, it's gonna, it's already starting to trend up. From what I looked up for the last, from the last six to eight weeks, it's been trending up. Now, albeit lower, still trending up. So, what do you got? It, it is trending up. So, here's what I know. In this business, I've got access to a lot of things for a lot of companies whose names I cannot mention. 
and I see their financials. It's it's publicly traded information. It's insider trading information. I would never trade off it. But what I can tell you is, is that you're going to start seeing a lot of companies who got beat up pretty bad as part of Q2. Mm-hmm. They just announced all the way through July layoffs August 1st. That's when you start seeing layoffs. August 1st will be when layoffs happen. And let me tell you why the cycle wow. works this okay. way, okay? Interesting. So what they typically do is, and I've seen, I know companies that are publicly traded right now that are doing, this is the plan. It's disclosed. Like it's out there. It's known. Interesting. So you try to do whatever you can to right size the ship prior to this stuff happening. The Fed interest rate increase number, the second GDP number coming out. And then when it comes down to it, you've got to take care of the human capital and right size your business for what you think is going to happen. Uh And if you believe you're in a recessionary economy, and you and your company are seeing the impacts of it that were felt in Q2 that were significant. Right. And you've now announced to the street, you've also got to face a harsh reality because not only have you either underperformed or been impacted by this, by this information, mm-hmm. you've also got to report to the street a new pro forma, what you're planning on doing for the rest of the year. Yeah, exactly. Those numbers are all going to reallocate. Mm-hmm. So how do you take care of that? Well, if you haven't laid people off, that is one of the levers you can pull. The human capital, you can reduce salary expenses, you can reduce comp. And that's exactly what's going to start happening in in large volume as of August 1st. And that's what's going to need to happen, right? With, you know, the Fed continuing to raise interest rates and we're not seeing, we haven't seen much effect take place with the CPI index, right? Well, yeah, so CPI, like, so, so 30% of that is is housing. Right. Exactly. And we're just now starting to see housing costs come down, but it, it hasn't been a crash. There's nothing that, that, that indicates this massive fall off. Mm-hmm. If anything, rental rates are still rising. Yeah. Yeah. In, in many, many cities around the country, it's cheaper to rent than it is to buy, even if you put 20% down. I just read an article about that about Austin. Austin, if you put 20% down on a property and their average property, mm-hmm. it's still cheaper to rent. That's how expensive their average property Jeez, is. Jeez, man. Wow. Yeah, think that then. Think, soak it in. Yeah, I am. Let, soak let it in. I remember a time where it's. For a while, that's all you heard. A lot of people started moving out that way, especially to Austin. Oh, dude, Austin is it's, Austin it's, it's is like a city. A, more liberal city in in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. But uh, still, you get that Texas feel. It's got an infrastructure for about four hundred thousand people ish, and it's okay. got like two million people in it right now. That's the problem. Oh wow! That's 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 the huge problem with Austin. Austin's a beautiful place. I've been there. It's it's lovely. I had a great time. It's mm-hmm. it's cool. But I mean, damn, it's it's packed with people. Right. So, okay. Take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And there's some things about Texas too that I think, look, I love Texas. I've got family. I've never been actually. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I would love to go. And next time I go, you come with me. But yeah. It's, it's, I love Texas personally. I, I think it's, it's got its own unique flavor. And once you get acclimated to it, it's just amazing. Yeah. Now, I will say that some parts of Texas are hard to, for most people to adjust to. Like if you're in California, okay. If you're in Texas, the weather can get really extreme extreme rain, extreme tornado. You can get extreme extreme weather that, that most Californians aren't really like prepared to deal with. Got you. Okay. But every state has a little bit of that, right? You're in Oklahoma, tornadoes. You're in Florida, hurricanes. I mean, it's just it's just kind of the nature of life. But people right. who live in California, all you're just worried about the ground shaking. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> everyone's, just li- everyone's just living on edge. Like, when's that thing going to shake? Yeah, it, it's not it's not quite the same. But I'll tell you that the, the problem that I think the misconception that most people have, number one, the property taxes in Texas. Right. They're going to get you for their taxes. We talked about that before. I think the other thing that people don't understand is land rights in Texas are so precious. There isn't a lot of government land like parks. Okay. For you to like roll through that, that are, that are not like privatized. Oh, interesting. So if you want to go like on hikes and trails and stuff like that, there isn't a whole a lot, lot of like that. Not compared parks, to like California yeah. where yeah, there's like exactly. national wildlife preserves everywhere and stuff like that. It's very different. 
and then you you're you're constantly indoors in the summer so it's a bit different but yeah i, well, I love it there i want to i'd love to take a trip out there you should come yeah let's go you want to hear another fun fact yeah i pulled that. my small little base on instagram uh, you had to finish that sentence. you pulled what i pulled <laughs> yeah oh pulled. you, pulled. you said pulled why we can't have one show without you being a pervert god damn it <laughs> no, at least your shorts are no, longer because you were time. saying you pulled your groin no i did pull my groin pull p-o-l-l yeah yeah, yeah. no i got yeah, it now yeah, you got yeah, it you, you sure? pulled yeah i'm not yeah, first of all look me in the face when i say they don't let them keep looking at your hand on your shorts again it's just awkward for me okay <laughs> Thank, thank you, by the way. I want to acknowledge, I appreciate you wearing longer yeah, shorts you did this time. Yeah, you didn't Because what you wore last time was entirely inappropriate. You are not a man. You didn't appreciate the teardrop. In, in, I, no, you should not be wearing running shorts. Yeah. I don't wear running shorts too because I know what people are going to see. You should take that same, <laughs> okay. same strategy, okay? Got you. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw way so who too did much you, style. who did you pull? I pull. Who did you pull? <laughs> I pulled my my base on, on uh, Instagram. Okay. And just under a thousand people answered the question. The question was simple. Do you believe we're in a recession? Yes or no? Man, come on. What do you think the percentage of people who agree was? Probably similar to that of like consumer sentiment out right now. So I'd say 70% of the people had to have said yes, we're in a recession. If I was going into it, that's exactly what I would have thought. That's yeah. a matter of fact, that's that's kind of where I thought we'd wind up. 97%. 97%. And so it, people are listening to the to the podcast and the stuff you're putting out. No, I don't some of it, I mean, obviously some people follow me. They they know what my opinion is. Maybe there's some confirmation bias in there, but right. I'm telling you, look. If 97% of about 1,000 people think that mm-hmm. there's a recession because that's just their intellectual opinion, yeah, there's, there's a massive disconnect for what Jerome Powell is putting out in the atmosphere, the White House is putting out there. Mm-hmm. This has gotten to such an extreme that it, it, it's, it's almost insulting. If I, if I were just American in the Midwest and I wasn't connected politically and I wasn't in finance and I saw this, I'd be like, what the fuck? This, this, right. you, you can't change definition midstream when all the warning signs were there. You and me are not economists. No, we're not. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like a fraud sitting up here talking about it. But You are a fraud. Yeah, I yeah, mean yeah, to tell you, the yeah. audience that I had a conversation about the, you. The whole audience? Yeah. The all whole five audience, listeners? All five. Actually, yeah, yeah. We, we, have a, we have a bit of a technical problem we have to address. Okay, okay, we have to talk about we this. We have to address this. So, several people have now self-identified as one of our five listeners. Okay. What are we up to? Seven? So I think either your wife or my wife or possibly both are lying about being one of the five <laughs> listeners because the math doesn't make sense otherwise. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> well, so, that's good. That's a good. So thing. I'm, I'm putting money that our wives are lying. They don't ever actually listen. We're going to find out though if you get in trouble. So I read an article today that I wanted to get your take on. Okay. Um, okay. And it said the U.S. government has put themselves in this position. U.S. economy grew 5.7% in 2001, fastest rate in 38 years. Okay. That would have been a good time to raise the rates. 2001? No, no, no. 2021. 21. Oh, okay. That was like that would have been a good time to raise the rates and slow down the economy. That's accurate. Yeah. Instead, the Federal Reserve decided to continue to print money and keep interest rates near 0%, which they did, which caused inflation to spiral out of control. That's 1,000% accurate. So now it's like when you're raising rates while we're in a recessionary economy, it's like you're kicking people while they're down. Well, that's also kind of the vested interest that Jerome Powell has in not declaring a recession. I mean, granted, it's not his decision to declare one, but in, in his spin that we're not in one, and he doesn't think that we're in one. Mm-hmm. This is the same guy who acted a year too late. Yeah. A year is a long-ass time. If When your sole job is monitor jobs and Fed policy, right? Mm-hmm. Economic policy. You had to have known this was coming. You can't keep printing money and expect inflation not to, you know happened the way that it did, right? I mean... Well, think about how many people were making money off of this prolongated period of artificial interest rate deflation. 
out of all this money floating around the markets. Yeah. Everybody was was making money. Every everybody industry, was spending yeah, money. That's right. Every industry was just crushing it. Yeah. If you sold watches and you were a watch broker, you were making money. If you sold houses and you were a mortgage broker, you were making money. If you sold used cars, you sold used cars, you were making money. Everybody yeah. was making money and everybody's hand had their hand in the cookie jar. And then you look at someone like Powell who who's got CEOs and everybody around him in the White House. There, there had to be tre- a, a tremendous amount of pressure on him to keep the good times rolling. And look, I'll be, I'll be real. My job as chief credit officer of the bank is I monitor the portfolio to make sure that we are headed in the right direction and to make sure that our aggregate risk is identified, quantified, and measurable. Right. And that we go into it with full proactive eyes open. Mm-hmm. That job in the last 14 years has been immensely easier than it is right now. Of course, yeah. Because any anybody could have put assets on your book the last 14 years. Real estate values were going up. Everybody was making money. There weren't a whole lot of defaults. I saw a statistic uh, today, actually, that defaults in San Francisco are up 90%. Yeah, I sent you that. Was that you that sent me that? Yeah. Wow. Give me some credit, man. That's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to steal your credit like yeah. that. I mean, I, I, I don't yeah. like you. I Maybe I just yeah. mentally block you out. Uh, but the problem with that is it's a very deceptive title because obviously with yeah, the moratorium on, yeah, right. it's quick baby, the moratorium on evictions. Now all those evictions are, are coming up, but I did read something else that I think you sent me too. Was it you that was sent me the, the 70,000? No, I did not. Oh, 70,000 is the number of backlog cases in New York housing court. Fuck. So now between the, the evictions that are happening and now the backlog of, of this stuff in housing court, and then obviously the foreclosures. You got a tremendous strain on our system already before recessionary impacts happen. Now, I don't think there's going to be a tremendous wave of foreclosures, but I think that there's going to be some significant impacts in people's earning and their ability to pay. And I think that's going to put them in positions where they're going to need to sell. Yeah. I mean, you would hope that the, these institutions laid the groundwork properly and learned from the mistakes in you know, 2008 for the Great Recession, to not over leverage themselves. Some lenders did, some lenders didn't for sure, but I'll tell you that that we're in a weird... So if you follow our theory okay. that we went from a supply side recession to a demand side recession, and truly the demand is going away right now and the mm-hmm. supply is irrelevant, right? there's a couple of things to think about. Uh, the National Association of Realtors said month over month, sales were down 8.6%. But what I thought was fascinating is that sales in every single region, there's four regions identified by them, the Midwest, North, Northeast, the South, mm. and the West, every single one of them was down approximately 8%. Yeah. Except the West, 15.9% year over year. Wow. So everything effectively West, I mean, you're talking uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, yeah. California, the whole, I mean, the whole whole area, right? All the way up to... Uh, I think Idaho and and maybe even Montana as well. Right, all of that down fifteen point. That that's Damn. a huge amount that of volume huge down. Amount. Right. Um. On top of that, I caught an interview with uh, CEO of Redfin was on CNBC. So you can't trust him. Can't trust him. Okay. But he said that the hottest markets, uh, and it's near the end of the end of the summer. Boise, Salt Lake City, Denver have all experienced 50% price reductions in the last month. 
Get the yeah, fuck out of here. This past month. In the last one. 50%, 50%. 50%. I call price, bullshit. Price reductions. In, in, in Salt Lake City. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about 50% of the, the houses that have dropped their price? Listing, yeah, listings have, have had price oh, so reductions. So 50% of the existing listings have dropped. I thought you were talking about people lowering their price at 50%. I'm no, like, no, that's no, true. I'm buying no, everything in that fucking no, city. No, 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 no. Yeah, having price reductions. Salt Lake City even as high as 65%. Yeah, that's true. So even before, like in June, we pulled everybody. Mm-hmm. I put a, a, a question out on social media. I was like, hey, if you're a realtor and you have access to MLS, like give me a screenshot of your market. Most people have like a little like price reduction. Yeah. That was already trending well, like well close, like above 30% in June. Yeah. And you can't just skip over the fact that this is the summertime. This is when people are trying to get into like school like mm-hmm. zones and yeah. you know what I mean? So this is a ho- the hottest time. The hottest time. What we're going to go into is going to be the real estate winter, like the crypto winter. Right. That, that, that's been so, so much polarizing and shocking. Did I talk about we talked about the uh, the cryptocurrency stuff last time, right? Uh, yeah, I'm still oh, high off that. Oh, I'm still Celsius, high off the cryptocurrency. Celsius, 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 and that that case with the NFT, the guy trying to the, yeah, hop yeah, on the yeah. plane. I'm still I'm still high as shit off that. Like I I, yeah. I, 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 I was thinking about why, it earlier why, today, and I was why do we like it so much. I like it because like the the idea of these anonymous wallets never made sense to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I open up an anonymous wallet right. and I use it, the blockchain is forever. Yes. The whole point of the blockchain is it's a ledger located on a decentralized network. Everybody else's computers out there, right? right? And if it's forever, and that log is there forever, and there's no way to delete it, mm-hmm. and you buy something in there, you do something illegal in that, that you have to get your money out somehow. Right. So it's going to transfer to another wallet. Right. Then it transfers to another wallet, another location, in and out of another location. It's all traceable, bro. Like, yeah, at some yeah. point, you're going to pay yourself. And as soon as you pay yourself, you're, it's a breadcrumb to go right back the other way on the trail. Right. This is not... And this is what they and this is what people were doing with as far as like Celsius goes. They're getting margin lines against kind of like what we talked about. Well, they were getting margin lines against crypto wallets. That that's kind of a different element in Web three. But tell me you don't know about Web three. That tell me you don't know about Web three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but but this is what's really really cool about this is all the stuff that we thought was so sexy and and really kind of murky with 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 Web three and crypto and all those things. It's actually not so sexy. It's pretty it's actually wide open and that's a good thing mm-hmm. everything can be tracked so these criminals that are trying to do all these things i'm sure there's a way to get around the law but effectively if the government can find these assholes at at OpenSea and at coinbase right and they can make an example out of them as their first two cases they're sending a message they can find anybody right and i that just makes me so happy yeah, <laughs> it, gives, it gives me the warm and fuzzies. Like yeah. I, I just like the idea that you can't commit fraud anymore. Right, like, you can't. All this shit's got to stop. Yeah, you can't get away with it forever. Makes me very, very, very warm and fuzzies. Right. Moment of silence for all my crypto. We should play Ice Cube again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no Vaseline. No Vaseline. Yeah, dude, I've been, I've been listening to that song <laughs> over and best over. Best track of all time. Moment. Best diss track of all time. Shout out to Ice Cube. We will never listen to this podcast. Yeah. One day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that highly, but I'm going to go ahead and take it. All right. So, home builders offering incentives again. Okay. What kind of incentives are they, are they offering? doesn't really matter because I think this next statistic is more important. Sales of new homes built fell more than 8% in June from the prior month and were 17% lower than June of 2021, according to report Tuesday from the U.S. Census. Inventory also rose to a 9.3-month supply up from a 5.6 month supply at the end of the year. And that is a critical number because a six month supply yeah. is a normalized, balanced economy. Okay. 
And yet you have every fucking realtor and their mother on social media talking about, hey, man, <laughs> interest rates went down. This Fed thing is overblown, man. And yeah. they, they don't, they don't, yeah, I see that. I've, and here's the worst part. Is shout out to all y'all out there who, who follow me on social media, who, who send me these assholes. I appreciate you. Yeah, I don't exactly. respond to every single one of them. Yeah, doing the research for us. Oh, my God. I, the, the, the influx of material of D-bag realtors. And again, I love realtors. I'm a realtor too. Like it's not. But there are some people who go down this Jay-Z chain, this path. Right. And I get sent every single one now. I'm yeah. convinced like every single every what's single the, time someone does this on the, the internet. What, what's the worst one that you've, you've seen? Oh, God. so this guy today was in his car, right? It's it's not like a high-end car. Okay. But he was, he was, feeling, he was feeling himself. Oh. He, was, he was really happy, right? And he, he's driving. So, he's doing like the whole like obscure, like I'm not talking to you because I'm busy doing stuff. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking not, to you. Yeah. Like I'm not looking at the screen. I'm on but, my way to another open listing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. Yeah. He's like, ha ha, people, people keep keep telling me that yeah, you know, interest rates are gonna go up and ah, we're in a recession and ah, they don't know what they're talking about. And I'm sitting here looking at this guy going, like, Jesus, I I know nothing about this guy. Yeah. I just, I'm judging him solely by the way he looks. He's a moron. <laughs> like I've already come to that conclusion, right? Yeah. He goes, and was he ra- who's he promoting himself to? Like I don't, what I don't demographic? Know. He was and he had like maybe 400 followers i'm like bro like what are you doing yeah man okay like, let's let's be honest like that <laughs> Let, let's be honest that's, this message goes nowhere except i saw it so it did go somewhere <laughs> yeah. and i almost reposted it except yeah. I, I just know that he would probably double the size so i was like no 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 yeah but then he goes on to say they the fed is rate is interest rates yesterday and rates are going down today <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about what uh-huh. recession and i was just like jesus man and I, of course i had to watch all the stories so i could add ammo to my story of hate right <laughs> <laughs> but so let me clear up this fact because this gives, i got this question a couple times a day before any interest rate increase okay the market builds in what they think is the interest rate increase so there's an anticipation building up to it and they're making moves planning accordingly so the interest rate increase is coming out unless they're surprising if it would have been one percent that would have been i think impactful i think it would have surprised the market and you would have seen things fall off right so the market, the stock market, actually doesn't go down. It goes up in value when they get that confirmation from the Fed that they have baked in the appropriate number. Okay. Sometimes things in the economy shift so fast that the Fed may have to make an alternative decision, hence the first 75 basis point increase, which I think a lot of people had pegged for 50 basis points. 25 basis points wasn't baked into the market. Right. So that was much more surprising and much more impactful. For, so if you compare the first 75 basis point increase to the second 75 basis point increase is misguided. Right. We all knew this was going to be 75. Yeah, at least. And for right now, for those of you who want to know, September is lo- likely to be 50 and then mm-hmm. the next two inch rate increase will likely be 25 each. That being said, yeah. the yield curve is inverted, which means the two-year treasuries are higher than the 10-year treasuries, also known as the long end of the curve. Right. If the long end of the curve has not moved out and gone from an inverted yield curve to a normalized curve where the higher up you go, the more, the higher the number is, then you have a fundamental problem. And right now, despite the fact the yield curve is inverted and we've increased interest rates, that inversion still exists because the 10-year has not fully moved. Mm-hmm. Over time, the cost to banks will increase. And as that increases, the 10-year will move out. And as a matter of fact, we should all be cognizant of where the 10 years at. I think that's probably the closest one that tracks mortgage rates. But the treasuries impact mortgage rates. Mm-hmm. What we're going to see is that 10-year move and elasticity return to the economy. Okay. Hopefully, we see it happen soon. Right. But mortgage rates will rise as a result of that. Do I think they're going to rise significantly? No. Do I think they're going to rise 
50, maybe 75 base points higher than where they are now? Absolutely. Okay. So what would need to happen as far as, because I know some, these are some important dates to put on your calendar, right? August 5th, jobs report yeah. for the month of July will come out. Yep. Right? I think that jobs report will be interesting because if, if, I, if I think we're correct here and we'll make a prediction, okay, that's going to be significantly worse or, or notably worse than it was from the previous quarter. But the following one that happens after that, after this August 5th one, right. will be the impactful jobs report, I think. Okay. Okay. And then the next, the other date is August 10th, July CPI. Yes. Before it comes out. That one will be, that one will be a, a crapshoot. I don't think I've got enough data right now for me to conclude one way or the like other. What would, what would need to, like, so we were at 9.1%, right? Right. Last time. So what, would, what do you think would need, the, the Fed would need to see in order to maybe soften their next interest rate hike i don't think this, i don't think there's going to see anything that's going to soften the next interest rate hike i don't think that's i mean that's uh, as far as like you think you expect another 75 basis point hike or no no the next one's gonna be 50 one? as, as of right now it's gonna be 50 it's gonna be 50 i, I so here's the problem is, is the fed got a bit of a reprieve they got lucky timing their next meeting because the summer break is until september yeah so the next actual fed decision will be in september that being said two months is a long time right so they'll have a lot of data in addition to that new cpi number but Seven CPI inflation that we're feeling when you t- I don't do you see Shell's information recently? Shell yeah. had posted like amazing like record profits like eleven point five billion or some crazy ass shit because they okay. galloped America right? right. There's a lot of companies that are taking advantage of inflation. Whatever they're going to have the ability to strip as much of that as they can away with time and look at where things are going and trending. And I don't think that inflation going down in and of itself is going to really stop them from from being at fifty. Okay. I think the risk here is 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 fifty enough. Right, because even if it went down to eight, that's not good enough. It, that's still really high, right? Yeah, but change. So this is this is the problem with what the Fed has to do from from just like a, a functional standpoint. As much as I make fun of Jerome Powell as being a complete asshole, it's a really tough job. It's very yeah, because exactly. you're you're effectively going to turn a dial, a knob, and then you have to wait and see what happens because everything that happens is not instantaneous. That's why it's comical to me when people talk about how oh I haven't seen a change. I the it, it, it's just like inertia in physics. Mm-hmm. Inertia builds and you go one direction. Yeah. It doesn't just stop and go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to slow down, get mm-hmm. to the peak. When it gets to the peak, it almost stops instantaneously in the air and then the inertia builds back the other way. And then there's momentum. That momentum that builds up, exactly. Right. And that's a little bit of that elasticity that I always talk about when I'm referencing. That's kind of what I'm talking about. We lost that swing, swing in the economy. Yeah. I think you get, when you're going to have to hit, hit the, the economy pretty hard in order to get that swing. And I guess... 75 and 75 basis points, the two largest increases one after another in, in history. I think I think that's probably a big hit. But do I think that there's going to be a, a palpable impact in inflation between now and then? Uh, no, mm-hmm. not at all. Right. 30% of that is housing costs. I haven't seen a single thing from housing costs go down, at least not palpably yet. I mean, we're seeing small decreases here and there. But if a, in California, which is one of the first movers in house prices coming down, going from 760000 two months ago to to 750000 on the average sale just a month ago, yeah. that's not a significant enough. That's rate. not good enough, right? You're talking where we had home prices need, in California going up over 24% on average. We're talking about we need at least like a 20% correction, right? Well, we still have rents going the other way too. The rents are going up, not down right now. Yeah. There's been no indication of rents going down. Which is so crazy. To me. And that is a huge part of housing costs. Yeah. So and keep in mind, it's housing costs. It's not mortgage or rent. It's your cost to pay for your housing. Right. So that's not moving the right direction at all right now. With the way 
with the way uh, housing costs and rent is right now, and it's still going up, what are your thoughts on? Because I know the rent control right now is is only for multifamily space, right? So it's not it doesn't affect single family. Well, the overwhelming majority of states in the, in the country don't have rent control. Right. It's only like five. So let's just say for California, like, is mm-hmm. this something that you think should be, you know, on the radar that so many prices for houses are so high, people can't afford to buy a home. They- Affordability has always been a problem in California. Yeah. Affordability has been a, a huge, huge problem. And some lenders, not us, thank God, ha- have been not so helpful in it because they'll underwrite to things like pro forma. Oh. They'll underwrite to your future. So what does that do? That incentivizes the landlord to jack rates as, as quickly as they can to make more money to get to that pro forma number. Yeah, I know. We've never nece- we've never necessarily done that. We've always underwrite to the lower of market rents in place, uh, rents in place or market. Con- a more conservative yeah. approach. A more conservative approach, but it's also a better approach for risk for the bank as well. So right. it, everybody kind of wins that way. Now, if you decide to do something as a landlord, I can't. People look at at landlords as like these evil entities, right? These evil people. But owning a building is just like owning a business. You only hear of landlords when they're slumlords. Like I never hear you, when things yeah, are yeah. great. Yeah, it's like kind of like Yelp reviews. You can only trust them so much, right? Yeah, like, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I'm a, I'm a fucking damn good landlord. I, I'm the homie. I don't, it's, it's not online. I don't see it because you're so good. No one, no one talks. No about one's it. gonna go on Yelp and be like, you know what? This this guy Chris is amazing. Yeah, yeah. he's a fucking uh, rock star. Yeah, he came in and he treated everything. And he, goddamn, <laughs> and he's sexy too. No one's going to say that on Yelp for me. No, no one will. I might, though. Not on Yelp, I not might, in real though. life, anywhere. Not in real life? Bro. <laughs> Bro. Bro, that's that's harsh. Come on, man. That's harsh. I was going to okay. compliment your haircut, too. I'm not doing that shit now. <laughs> Fuck you. So, but being a landlord is, is it's just like owning a business. And I think a lot of people misconstrue what that is. So, I, I like to compare it to, like, uh, a different type of business. So, name, name, uh, name any small business you can think of. Like a mom and pop store? Like, Anything. Small uh, business. Uh, like a mom and pop coffee shop. Coffee yeah. shop. Great example. Mm-hmm. We did not tee that up, everybody. So mm-hmm. I pulled that. just a straight pull. Good yeah. job. Welcome. I'm impressed. Yeah. Uh, so how much do you think a coffee shop makes? A, a, you know, a decent coffee shop on average. Do you think it makes a lot of money? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends, right? Like what else they're offering? But um, enough for them to get by. But Enough to get by. Okay, but if you if you're a mom and pop and you own a coffee shop, you're not driving Lamborghinis. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, no. You're not you're not out here, you know, all all yachted up, mm-hmm. living in a multi million dollar state, posing with your you, you know yachted with your with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get yachted up one yachted day. Up. Yeah, I'm gonna get yachted. I just up. made that up, but it's not as sexy that's as so fuck, good, though, right? Dude, that's so good. <laughs> Yo, you see, Saeed, he got yachted up, bro. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a dinghy. <laughs> a dinghy. <laughs> but the point is, is like landlords are no different than a small business owner. They're not crushing it off of one of these properties unless it is, unless it is absolutely massive. Right. Right. Okay. So what I think, so I'll, I'll use a, a good example here is let's say you have a five unit property. Mm-hmm. Let's say your five unit property in Southern California has two bedrooms and one bath and it rents in Bakersfield for $1,500 a month. Each mm-hmm. one. Each one, right. So five times fifteen hundred—that's seventy-five hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. But you have a mortgage payment on it, and generally speaking, that's probably going to be around what, like five thousand, maybe six thousand at best. Okay, let's, let's just say five thousand. You've got expenses you got to pay. Right. You got R and M on the property. You've got, got your taxes. If, if your, your stuff is in national media, you got taxes, insurance. You got all that stuff to pay. Right. At the end of the day, a landlord is not going to make a tremendous amount of money on these properties. Right. It, it obviously depends a lot on how much money they have going down and stuff like that, but. The point is this, is that some of these landlords depend on this money coming in. Yeah. 
and we we demonize them as being like these terrible people. Well, there's countless cases that are part of this, like New York City backlog, for example, where a retiree who depended on that five unit or eight unit property may right. have depended solely on that for their living expenses. Because let's be clear here, Social Security in this country is not enough to get by. Right. And now they got people who are not paying them. And they're like, oh, but you're a landlord. Fuck you. You're rich. Yeah. Come on. That That's a harsh. I mean, at the end of the day, that's a business that somebody is running. It absolutely is. But we tend to put this emotional connection into it. Don't get me wrong. I'm the first person to say there's an affordability crisis, not just in California, but across the country. Yeah. But I, I really do think that state and local government and counties and everybody else, they're all just as much to blame for not putting in low-income housing limits and restrictions. Mm-hmm. In California, they've got more punitive ones and, and it's definitely some, it's a lot more strict here. Right. Anytime you build something new, you have to have low-income units now. Right, because the, the reason why I even asked this whole rent control question um, because, I thought she like hearing me talk. No, because I heard, so in that same interview with Redfin CEO, he said, on average in any market, 25% of the home buyers are investors. I think that's an, well, yeah, that's probably accurate. I know so that, that's kind of scary, especially in California, right? About where, half of that is institutional though. Okay. About about 12%, I think is the last time I checked. 12% is institutional. It's that's about institutional. scary where like, you know, some of these, some of these rents are getting so high that maybe this needs to be monitored just like. In the multifamily, space. there's a lot of speculation around this right now, where people that investors are getting into the single family space, and this in the single family again for those who are not initiated can be one up to four units is technically single family for yeah. lending purposes, and and that that is um that is a real hot topic right now. Although I will say that everybody I've talked to, the overwhelming majority of people that I talked to, and I've pulled this before, they do not favor rent control. They don't favor these, these restrictions. Mm-hmm. We are a capitalist country. We want capitalism, but at the same time, we want things to be affordable and realistic. And that's where I point right back at the White House and right back at the Fed. And I hate getting political, but we're we're politicizing things like the economy now. Yeah, it's it's being weaponized against us mm-hmm. and used for an election that's coming up. And if you can't see that shit right now, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and go political. If you can't see how. The Fed and the White House are politicizing the idea of the word recession. Yeah. They don't want their administrations or, or their jobs to be laced with the idea of recessions because they want... Jerome Powell doesn't want to be the, the Fed secretary who let a recession happen if the next president gets elected doesn't happen to be a Democrat. Right. There, there's all sorts of... Uh, you can you can go down the, the conspiracy theory path here and it, it becomes very apparent very quickly. These people all have motivation for us not to be in recession but the undeniable fucking truth is, at this point, we've had two quarters of negative GDP growth, and that meets the re- the definition. And that, for the last ten recessions, right, has been enough. Right, exactly. But politics are getting in the way. We've gotten to this part. Oh God, this is this is more political than I ever wanted to get on the show. We've gotten to this part of the, of our of our country's history, where the left is so left and the right is so right. There is nobody in the middle. Right. And if you try to play in the middle, you're just not going to get elected. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where, whereas the majority of the people that I talk to when I, when I, if I ever did speak about politics, you know, there's some things that I'm conservative about, other things I'm more liberal about. And there's usually one topic that so people- So, you're a conservative liberal? No. <laughs> makes tons of sense. But, but there's always usually one topic or maybe two topics that they care more about that puts them over the edge one way. And for yeah, the most yeah. part, every, people are moderate. But you know, you know what I noticed about this too though, is they never resolve that big issue. They never come down and resolve that big yeah. issue. yeah. Like I look at stuff like, okay, again, I'm gonna probably gonna we're gonna lose one of our five followers here. 
I look at stuff like gay marriage and go, why do I care if a gay guy wants to marry another gay guy? Or, so or, or, or right. a lesbian wants to marry another lesbian. Right. Or, you know, somebody who's LBGTQ plus or whatever, and you want to marry somebody else. Go do you. Like, why yeah. do we care about the individual? Like, why are we especially, in people's lives? Especially if there's supposed to be a separation between church and state, right? I mean, look, and then there's, it's, it's like this whole thing, like, I say that not because I have an opinion one way or the other. It's because I don't want the government involved in what I do with yeah. my wife. Exactly. Like, you know, is it just, be, it just seems like, we're going so far down in the people's personal lives that we're we're taking our eye off the bigger picture. Yep. Yeah. Like why why are we not why are we not focusing on having better families? Why do we care what those families look like? Right. Exactly. You shouldn't. But um back to your point about this whole recessionary economy being politicized. So you change the topic now? No, I'm not. I'm still keeping it there. Um there's two bills that are currently trying to get passed right now. One being the Family Community Inflation Relief Act, and the other, the Middle Class Savings and Investment Act. Let me tell you right now, both of these, both of these are tragically bad fucking ideas. Both bad ideas, and look who they're trying to target: the middle class. They've already granted social the security way, recipients. What a dick you are for not giving me a heads up. You gonna bring this up? I could have researched. You, I, I you lucky. I know it's on the show. Are. It's on the show notes. Is that what that little tiny key was? <laughs> yeah. I don't so, read your shit. My but bad. I won't go in. I won't go into some of these details because it hasn't been passed yet. If it does get passed. Uh, we'll fill you in. But uh-huh. one thing to keep in mind is that these are clearly focused on the middle class to cope with inflation. Um, but you got to ask yourself. So Social Security recipients are already receiving an additional $200 a month, right? Which doesn't really do much. It doesn't for do anything. Because inflation in in, inflation number is much that's, higher. That's two tanks right? of gas, maybe. Right, maybe, right? And then now they're, you're trying to pass these two bills for the middle class. Tax code is already written for the wealthy. So mm-hmm. what about the low-income people? Well, I, I think this is kind of a farce, to be honest with you. So, we wind up in a situation where we are effectively wiping out the middle class anyway. Inflation is effectively wiping out the middle class and taxes. That's why you, yeah, you've said. If you're taxed in the middle class and you don't own a tremendous amount of real estate, that's why you're in the middle class as opposed to the upper class. Right. You don't get the tax benefits of the real estate. You're trying to work your way through it. You can own a business and maybe get some tax benefits there, but you're going to get your ass taxed. <laughs> Tax hard. Tax that ass. Tax that ass. You're not going to get yachted up. I want to get yachted up. That's going to be the caption of our next photo. You're not going to get yachted up. So Listen to the Higher Standard Podcast and get yachted up. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Get you a dinghy. Um, But that's true, though. We have almost penalized making more money in this country. If you're a W-2 wage earner and you're making a million dollars a year and you're in the highest tax bracket... Mm -hmm. It's Fuck. soul crushing. Fuck, man. Soul cr- Fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I get taxed. Yeah. Like north of 40%. That's so wild to me. And then the idea of raising taxes, right? It's like, so you've shown me you don't know how to manage the taxes now. And you want to take more money. And, well, when you and raise show taxes, bro, yeah. you're not taxing the rich. You're not taxing the 1%. You're taxing yeah. me, the middle, like the middle America, like average, like middle class dude right like i'm not yeah no ferraris right there should yeah there should be a luxury tax anything that costs over a million should get taxed more all i'm saying is is we've wiped out the middle class and one of the the biggest problems that we had during the covid pandemic was we handed out stimmies 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 and ppp loans that has been unprecedented in american history we don't do that there are two ways we help people okay unemployment benefits which are less than your wages Mm-hmm. and food stamps so yeah. you can get food no matter what right i know it sounds callous of me to point to those things 
But those systems work. If something is so bad where you feel like you need to give people money like this mm-hmm. to protect them, our fiscal policies are fucked up. Yeah. And here's the way you fix fiscal policies. You stop being on front, in front of a camera, putting out bullshit press releases, denying a recession. You stop spending your time focusing solely on inflation and you start battling a recession, which is real, that 97% of the people that I talk to believe we are in. Yep, exactly. And this denial for political reasons only makes us hungrier as a society. So rich assholes who are running for office yeah. can sit here and play on our hopes and our fears and our dreams and our needs mm-hmm. to try to sell us a dream that they call their policy, their political policy. That's fucked up. What we're doing to America right now is so fucked up. Is that your I have a dream speech? Was it sound good? It sound good. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a, Drop the mic. I was actually more proud of the yacht of that thing than, <laughs> than, I, than I was that. But, you know, it's all good. I've got a couple personal things I want to I just rattle off real quick. Let's go. Yeah, I'll just I'm, sit here I'm quietly and just... Yeah. No, 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 no. These, these are Q&As. Oh, like, I need, to, okay. I need to get into it with you. Okay. I want to give you a hypothetical, okay? Okay. Everybody out there, if you're not driving, close your eyes. Imagine you're, you're sighted and doing well, not sighted because you'd be fat, but if you, yeah. if you imagine, imagine <laughs> you're, you're you're in his position. There I'm it talking is. To you. There it is. All right. So this situation happened to me this week, and I and I'm not going to tell you which part of it I was, but so let's say your wife says she's going to go to the gym. Okay. She goes to the gym. Okay. Has a good workout. Does a thing. What am I doing? You're at home. Okay. Watching All the right. kids. At, at, watching the kids. And then she she was sore afterwards. She went to stretch. She comes home. Uh-huh. And you say, honey, how was your workout? Right. And she says, good. You know, I was able to work out. I was a little stiff. So I had one of the trainers stretch me out. Oh, oh really? Oh. You did? Okay. Oh, but I knew him. And he's an older man. He's married. And I'm like, okay. Let, 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 let me play this out in reverse. I go to the gym. There's a double standard here. You see a woman stretching me out. Right. There is no way I'm coming home alive or with all my digits. Right. (laughs) That that, that ain't happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All I'm saying is, I hope homeboy's one of our five listeners. I'm going to find you. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're at seven listeners now. I've I've, I've been legitimately giving my wife shit all week week Uh, long about it. Not because I care, because it's clearly She's going to listen to the podcast and she's going to hear this. No, we just established early on that there, there's clearly not like <laughs> our, 10 listeners. Our wives, so our wives, our wives cannot yeah, be yeah, listening. Okay. And we know your wife's traumatized because of her accident. So she's never yeah, going to listen to the show listen, again. Yeah, she was listening to our podcast when she got into the it accident. It might actually be your fault. Oh, yeah. She heard me. She's like, God, he sounds so stupid. I was going to go sexy, but if you mean stupid. Oh, okay. you, you, yeah. better you're, just trying, yeah, you're trying to compliment yourself in these microphones. Sounds the microphones so sexy. It does sound sexy. Although yours sounds better than mine. I don't understand. It's not that. It's I sound better than you. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Don't lie to everybody. I'm sorry. Everyone DM him. Let him know. There's one other one I was going to tell you about. And I forgot. I was saving it too. It was good. But damn it. I got nothing. You got to write it down. Nope. I'm done. You? Yeah, I'm good. That's it? That's it. All right. We got a plane to catch tomorrow. We do have a plane to catch tomorrow. Going uh, up to San Jose for a little special special thing. I can't wait. I'm well, excited. Hopefully you guys will hear about it. And if you don't, it's because I killed Saggy while we were in San Jose. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Chris fucked up. <laughs> I, no, I fucking killed you because you fucked up. <laughs> okay. That's how we're ending the show. Shut up. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. 
This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.